0: The Labor Department has more than 500 business computer applications. All that software needs constant care. And Mangala Kupa, the Director of Business Application Services in the CIO's office, leads that caretaker effort. Kupa, who was a finalist for the 2023 Leadership Award from Women in Technology, tells Executive Editor Jason Miller about consolidation and rising use of shared services
1: most interesting aspect of my role is really looking across all 27 agencies which are the ability to find commonality, the ability to kind of improve the efficiency of operations is really um, appealing to me in my role. And so I would say um, it's, it's a pretty cool job.
0: <laughs> One of the things that labor – should get a lot of more credit for and is that centralization that it went through because it's very difficult for a lot of agencies and, and to address things like you know shadow IT and to set up some guardrails so people feel like they're getting their IT needs met. At the same time, they're not hamstrung by IT as well. It sounds like you probably came into this role just as the centralization was happening. Can you discuss maybe your background a little bit?
1: I'm with the department for 13 years, in my current job for three years. I joined just when the first agency moved into shared services, which is ETA. Um, Prior to joining the department, I have um, a good um, decade plus experience in the private sector. Um, I am that techie that you normally hear about, you know, started uh, as a developer, grew into ranks of being, you know, architects and the managers and the program managers. When the time came to, um, I've been very busy being in the private sector, and I said, I need to be doing something more in the public service area. When I joined, it was just shared services beginning right? That's where rubber meets the road. Now you actually have the responsibility coming in. All the planning is done. Now it's the time for reality to kick in, right? And also mission application support is the new wing that that OCIO inherited. So it's a huge change management exercise because it's not just about IT and systems, right? Because you got people that moved from one area to the other area. The developers or the support staff or the vendors who were supporting were working directly with the agencies. Now they all moved under the OCIO umbrella. So right off the bat, I had kind of the awareness that it is as much as much of a people exercise as it is of a systems exercise. You know, it was important to provide that kind of a home feeling to the people who kind of moved in as well with the systems, maintain that system stability. Don't break anything obviously <laughs> as you're inheriting. Uh, but I would say that we've been very successful in doing that. And 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 not just we are I would say we were we're not just surviving, we are thriving. And we are beginning to unleash the real potential of shared services. And I think next five years is going to really make a sea change in, in, in department's portfolio, in our ability to really, really use technology to drive the mission.
0: Did you have some, kind of shift people around because they were in roles that maybe weren't suited for them, but you had to find the right role for them?
1: Absolutely. That has been a, almost a step one of it. And also you, you need to provide a backing, right? If if there are if there are let's say mess ups or failures, that as leadership you want your employee to feel like they'll be supported. It starts with listening to them, and really really understanding what keeps them here, what are their aspirations and motivations, and genuinely being invested in their career. One thing that I'm very passionate about for others in my in my staff or wherever I go is really how can I help my staff reach their goals. I feel like at this point in my life and my career, my job is to support others.
0: Where are you at today with shared services and how do you foresee it kind of continuing to evolve or to, get to reach that next five years as you, as you continue to thrive?
1: big focus right now is um, how do we improve the the, the portfolio and, and is it supporting the agency's mission? Where can we complement um, with newer technologies that we already have? Are we using the newer technologies for the benefit they provide, right? So the, there's a, so many areas that we're focusing on. The one favorite area that I have that I would like to touch on is um, really connecting capabilities across agencies. What that does is that next time when you have to build a new solution or a new system, instead of building it from scratch. Now we, we kind of make it like a collection of what's already available and you quickly build something. So the time to market, the time to benefit from the solution is going to be a lot better. So we're doing a lot of foundational creating capability metrics out of it, establishing centers of excellence so that the technology is used for the right purpose in the right way. I think you've been in, around technology long enough to know that sometimes it, it may result in a lot of talk and no actual benefit. So, what we want to make sure is that there is actually actual benefit that our agencies will uh, will experience uh, with this shared services initiative, which is really the driver in doing this for the department. And I, I feel like we are well on our way and and really connecting the dots, investing more into um, SaaS solutions, cloud-based solutions. You know, reducing our footprint, where we don't have to spend time in in jobs that can be automated, and use that uh, that power to focus on more value-added work. Uh, I think that's a that's an area. Whether it's through chatbots or AI or other means, I think um, there's going to be a lot of work in that space in the next five years. Along with really, really understanding, connecting the mission, breaking it down into pieces that can be shared, and the pieces that need to remain unique. I, I think that's going to bring about a sea change uh, next five. To six.
0: What are some of those metrics that you are using to say, okay, these applications are meeting their goals, or the opposite? You know, these applications need to do better. We need to maybe move them to the cloud, or upgrade them in some way, or we need to get some user center design involved here because it's not not helping our our customers enough. Anything that you can offer?
1: We do have a formalized service level agreements that we measure every quarter. So we measure for each application the uptime availability. We measure how agile and reactive we are for emergency events. That's another SLA. Uh, We measure whether we are on track with projects, which tends to be standard OMB measure as well, schedule variance, cost variance, if you're familiar with those terminologies. Are we on track with our development initiatives? Are we reducing our dependence on legacy technology, right? So these are all measures that we formally measure and and, and we look for, you know, are we improving? Are we getting better? Um, Are we getting worse kind of thing? So that's kind of uh, some of the measures.
0: But on the metric side you know, when you move to a shared services like you did, it's, it can be very difficult to make a lot of people happy, right? Like, oh, well, I liked it my way. The way you're doing it is different, or maybe it's better, but I can't see that it's better because it's not my way. Was that one of the big hurdles you had to get through to as you created this shared service office and started to move applications from the mission areas or the agencies into this centralized approach?
1: I think it's more of not my way or your way. It's more of a fear of can I continue to have the support I need? Um, I, I think, you know, what worked very well for me personally, as well as for OCIO, is that we are very transparent. When when there are problems, we are transparent about them in, in in kind of, you know, uh, sharing that information, as well as uh, making sure that we are persistent and rigorously follow up and make sure that problem is resolved. I think working to create transparency and a very trusted relationship your customers is the key to really, really kind of bring them along to a new method of doing things, right? And 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 more importantly, we listen too. Just because our way is the best way in our minds doesn't mean much sometimes, right? So we are open in listening to the conversations. Um, I I do not I do not say this very lightly. OCIO is blessed with smart leadership. Yes, you're right. You know there are concerns initially, and we have been able to really, really address those concerns by having a listening attitude, explaining. Trans- creating transparency, acknowledging when mistakes are made, but also carving out a path of how we will fix them. So all of these above actions, I think help us um, kind of create that relationship with our agency customers.
0: We could go down the path of user experience. We could go down the path of digital transformation, but maybe talk just a little bit about some of your, your big priorities coming up over the next year, year and a half or so. Are there specific programs or projects that you're working on that you'd want to kind of offer some highlights into?
1: It's a large portfolio. Every agency has a number of initiatives that that are carved out for not just this year, but also for the next year. We want to improve our, you know, mine safety, occupational safety systems. Um, We we have um, a methodology that we use to kind of look at where we still have legacy technology, which is a huge piece in the government. We we have made tremendous progress in actually modernizing that area. We still have a couple of few areas that where we still need to kind of get up the modern legacy technologies that continues to be a focus going into next one or two years. We actually have a standard list of, uh, you, you know, shorter list, uh, list of uh, systems that we know that we need to do that. We also want to, you know, continue to engage with emerging technologies. I think there is still a lot of value that, that needs to be uncovered with things like chatbots and where you could kind of automate some of the, you know, mundane, you know, administrative kind of activities or manual activities to more automated ways of doing things. I think we'll continue the focus there. We'll continue the user experience, obviously, which is a big piece of making government services more accessible to the public. I think that continues to be our focus. There is too many to list for me (laughs) as far as a, a specific thing, but these are the themes that we continue to explore with each of our agencies. And, and as I said, originally, the Department of Labor, what excites me is that we have a very diverse mission from in you know, the mine safety, occupational safety, statistics, you know, ensuring workers and wages. And, and so these themes help us kind of cater that concept to each mission and, and make improvements in, in that space.
0: Mangala Kupa is the Labor Department's Director of Business Application Services and a finalist for the 2023 Leadership Award from Women in Technology. Speaking there with Federal News Network's Jason Miller. Check out Jason's story at federalnewsnetwork.com.
2: Hello, and welcome to the Lessons in Leadership podcast. I'm your host, Shane Canfield, CEO of WEPA. Today, I'm thrilled to be joined by Dr. David Wilson, President of Morgan State University. David has had a fascinating career and has garnered a long record of accomplishments from more than 30 years of experience in higher education administration. Came to Morgan State in 2010 from the University of Wisconsin, where he was chancellor of both the University of Wisconsin Colleges and the University of Wisconsin Extension. Before that, he held numerous other administrative posts in academia, including vice president for the University of Outreach, associate provost at Auburn University, and um, associate provost of Rutgers. And when we were talking earlier, too, you had just mentioned that you had a um, a wonderful nomination at the American Academy of Arts and Sciences. And David, thank you so much for joining me.
3: Shane, it is indeed a pleasure uh, to be invited into this conversation with you.
2: It's not in your um, in the short bio here, but I also know you served in some capacity in the Obama administration. Yes, I did. As a matter of fact. You've had a fascinating career at numerous universities across the U.S. How did you become passionate about the education field, and what are some of the biggest lessons that you've learned? First of all, I was made
3: aware of a quote by Horace Mann, who was a great 19th century educator who really gave rise to public education in the United States, and he was the first to utter the phrase that education is the great equalizer. And why that resonated with me was because I grew up in abject poverty uh, in rural Alabama. And there was no law in Alabama as I was growing up that required black kids to go to school. Uh, I was kind of shut off from formal education on a consistent basis. I didn't get a chance to go to school full time until I was in the seventh grade. We lived on property there that were owned by um, the white landowners. And so the um, owner of the property, a white woman, would bring down to this little shanty that we lived in, and she would bring Look and Life magazines. My mom, uh, she would make us as children plaster these pages of Look and Life magazines against the wall of this little shanty to keep the cold wind out. I would take a kerosene lamp and go around the walls reading those articles in Look and Life magazines, which is when I first came across the phrase of Horace Man. Hmm. From that point on, I committed
2: myself you know, to education. It's an amazing story, and two things occur to me. One, it's almost incomprehensible that this happened during our lifetime. You know, that to me is uh, almost shocking. It's also truly inspiring that you recognized that you could do more and sought out to do that, and were successful at it. So when you think back on that experience, how has that informed, shaped, influenced your leadership position now as president of Morgan State? It it had to have had an impact, but how would you articulate that? So if you go back to that Alabama environment, what I saw,
3: it was just so many people, my own brothers and sisters who were 10 times smarter than I was. But my first five brothers- were literate. They never got an opportunity to show the nation how brilliant they were. Therefore, I really took on this whole notion that my life had to be about ensuring that individuals who were drowning in potential and they didn't realize it would be in a position where they would realize it. I was never ever about positions that would enable me simply to replicate privilege. I don't care where you went to school. I don't care what type of family you came from. I think that's where sometimes we kind of get education wrong. Uh, We have institutions that want to define themselves uh, based on how many students they don't admit. I'm about just the opposite. Taking individuals who are absolutely stellar and don't
2: realize it and bringing that into existence for them. You've had so many opportunities uh, that you could do other things, perhaps, at um, larger organizations. But you're where you want to be on purpose, by design, for the kinds of reasons you just talked about, that it's it's fulfilling. But can you talk a little bit more about that? There have been so many
3: so-called top 50 institutions in the United States that have come aggressively after me. And... I flirted with a couple of them, and I went home to Alabama because these two were very serious. And my family is brutally honest with me, and they keep me grounded. So I flew down and began to talk with them about these institutions that were coming after me. I was thinking they would be impressed. And when I finished, my youngest sister said to me, now, are you finished? Clearly,